0: I'm now listening to Vocal Minds with Sophia. Today we have Laura in the house. Yes, What's Let me just bring her on. Laura is a former alcoholic, and she's re, she's recovered, and she's here to tell the tale. <laughs> has come out at the age of
1: thirty-three. 35. 33 and you are yeah 33 i'm, I'm 35 so
0: sorry, now girl. no I it just doesn't i don't know how two years i am like <laughs> i don't know why that number is in my head but um hello how are you i'm doing
1: well i'm excited this is fun yeah
0: awesome <laughs> how's um the real estate market
1: it's crazy, it's crazy. i'm in new, I'm new, york, in new york, york. york it's really crazy is it busy mm-hmm.
0: right how's the lockdown over there is it lifted <laughs>
1: Um, yes and no. I mean, right now I feel like, I mean, you still need to, the vaccine and the whole mask up thing, but life is going on. It's just with those precautions right now. So, but I feel like everybody right now has it. It's so crazy. It's like came full circle and we're right back to where we were, but nothing's locking down. So it's weird.
0: Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So like the stores and everything is open.
1: Mm-hmm. At least where I am. I'm like upstate. Everything's when you say New York, it's like the city. I'm like upstate. I'm farm country. So it's a little bit different.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Even here, like everything is being lifted slowly. So, mm-hmm. so, um, hi, Laura. <laughs> How you doing? So I'm good. Do you-
1: I'm not nervous at all. I'm not, <laughs>
0: not don't be nervous. We're just chilling. Yep. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, I am, I am 35, but I, uh, I'm a real estate agent. I just came out at 33. I had, uh, you know, I was, I had an addiction to alcohol and overcame that. I am over a year now sober. Congratulations. um, (laughs) Yeah. It's very, it is very exciting. Uh, a little petrifying, but exciting. Um, and I am part of the license to sell team with Keller Williams first in New York. And I have, uh, in the last year, I've started some really cool things. Um, I guess after I really started being myself and I've started a homebounder bust, which is kind of a follow along with me on buying a house. And it's, uh, it kind of just showcases like when you screw up, how to fix it. Cause I screwed up my whole life and now I'm kind of rec- recovering from all of it. So. <laughs>
0: So, homebound or bust. For those that, and myself, that don't know what that means, uh, what does that mean?
1: So, it, it started as kind of like it was almost like an accountability thing for myself because. For a very long time, I never paid attention to savings. I never paid attention to credit. I kind of was just like, I don't need, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to live my life freely <laughs> and like just not care about any of those things uh, until I realized I have to actually care about those things. So it was, it, it started as an accountability thing for myself. Like, I was just like, I'm going to document this. I'm going to buy a house in a year. I'm going to fix all my stuff that I'm doing. And I'm fortunate because I'm a real estate agent. So I have access to all the people that can help. And, um, you know, I'm friendly with a ton of top producers. I'm friendly with uh, mortgage brokers, things like that. So I was thinking about it and I was like, I'm going to talk to all these people. I'm going to get all this information. I started posting it and um, locally it's gotten uh, like a ton of attention, which is crazy to me. But I love it because people are like, I'm in the same position. I just didn't want to talk about it. Like, I'm so embarrassed that I'm 40 years old or like whatever age they were, 20, even 25 early. And I was like, no, but everybody gets – like, everybody's this way. Everybody screws up and the only way to fix it is to ask questions, but everybody's scared to. So I put my whole life on blast. And all my screw ups and all my mess ups, I was like, here it is. And if you're in this position, we're going to figure it out together. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. It's kind of taken off locally. So I'm excited. Yeah, I think
0: that's, that's amazing what you're doing. And you're, you're a great role model that you can show, like you don't actually have to have everything yeah. at the age of 35, you know, and the, that's like a really ridiculous expectation that you need to have everything under control. Yeah, you know, and you just coming forward and being like the poster child to say, "Look,
1: it's it's you know, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay." Yeah, <laughs> I would say that. I would, I would have to
0: tell you that.
1: Yeah, and I always laughed because I was like, "Whoever made these timelines, I hate." Like whoever was like, "You have to get married by twenty-five. You have to have this by this time." Like I hate that because, especially nowadays, life is so unpredictable and just. It, it, no, you don't have to do all those kinds of things. Especially so. with the pandemic, who was have predicted yeah. that ever. Exactly. Exactly. And I think like, like it's okay to mess up and it's okay to ask for help. And you know what? I hope if those people are still scared after I get through with this, they at least learn from my thing. They could do it quietly. I'm fine. I'll be the, I'll be the one that does all of it <laughs> because I have just the other day, I woke up to a flat tire. And it was like, I ended up having to get two new tires and it totally blew my budget out of the water. I'm not even, like, when I say I started this at zero, I genuinely meant at zero. Like, I have to improve my credit. I don't want to say the bad, but like, I have to improve my credit. I have zero savings. I'm living paycheck to paycheck in a commission-based job. And like, I started from, so when I had like this little tiny bit of savings, I have to get new tires. And it was like, I called it the budget buster. And I had to eat ramen, and you should have seen the people. It was funny because I put a thing up that was like, Well, how I'm gonna like kind of counteract this is I'm eating ramen for the next few days. Like that's just how it works because that's just that's life. It's okay, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it is what it is. So mm-hmm. I uh I'm I'm excited and it's it's funny because people were like trying to buy me food and stuff. And I was like, that's not why I did this. Don't feel bad. I'm doing this to show you. This is what happens. And ramen's good. I like ramen. I would buy ramen when I had some money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love how you manage to stay positive, even though you're having all these trials and tribulations coming your way. You're just like, no, nah, we keep it moving. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. It's like that, that could have thrown you off completely having the yeah. flat tire, right? Yeah. And now you have to start back. And it's like, oh, but you're like, no, this doesn't
1: matter. We're yeah. going to
0: get through this.
1: Yeah, I, well, I kind of credit that too. I. I, I went through a, not a lot for myself personally. It was my own story that was a lot. Everybody has their own story. Everybody deals with their own a lot. And uh, I kind of I sank into that deep dark depression for a very long time. And it, like whenever anything hit me, I was like, I'm done. I'm checking out. There's no coming back. And like now, I'm like, that's not how you get through it. Like you just have to get through it. And so that's uh, – I, I just credit it to that because I'm like, I'm not going back there. So keep going forward.
0: <laughs> do you feel um, – how do you feel being when you're sober?
1: Um, I love it. I love it. I'm not going to say there are some times that I'm like, man, a glass of wine would be real nice right about now. Um, but I don't – I can't imagine my life any other way, to be honest. I uh, I started drinking when I was 13. And, uh, and we were, when we were talking the other day, I mean, we had a bar in our basement. It was so easy. And so it was just, you know, we would have my friends come over and we'd just drink in the basement and it'd be so cool. And then I decided that I was only cool when I was drinking. Like I could only be like this, how I am now. I could only do that when I was drunk. So that's how I lived my life. And also, I had obviously a lot of things I was hiding, and you know, kind of trying to avoid feeling and things like that. And uh, so, when I even in, well into my thirty, after having kids, and we and like we said, this is the mom's juice. It's the like mommy's juice, and that's what that's what I did. And it was okay because I'm a mom. I'm stressed out all the time. I'm allowed to drink wine all the time, obviously. And then like, well, but when you're tip faced and you can't remember your kid's birthday, like that's when you have to kind of draw the line and be like, oh, no, 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 I can't do this. Like I'm not the responsible one, you know? So it feels good. I don't ever, I don't ever want to drink again because my life has only improved since then. So.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I say, wow, that's amazing a lot. And I want to stop saying it, but like no, a lot, of it, a lot of, like I started drinking until very young. I started drinking uh, maybe at the age of 12. I don't even know what it is. Like what makes us, let's go back to when we were that age. Like, what do you think? Like we're told don't drink. Your parents tell you don't drink, don't drink. And it's like the cool thing. You had a bark. We had to go to the park. <laughs> you know what i'm saying and alcohol was so cheap like yep. you could vodka for a two pound like i grew up in london that two pound you could like i think now obviously it's much more expensive but back in the days and um i don't know if you start. but did you smoke cigarettes
1: yeah oh yeah and and that's, that's only i'm only uh a little over 100 days not smoking cigarettes that was the last thing to go
0: Wow. And so like in the UK the legal age for smoking cigarettes when I was younger was 16. Oh wow. So you could buy cigarettes in your school uniform and no one would think oh cuz you could be in grade 11 you're 11 and uh qualified to buy cigarettes and no like you could buy cigarettes you know That's and different. so it was a, like it was, it was very normal. I never felt like I was doing anything bad by drinking. Like it was right. a normal thing to do. Like on a Friday night at the age of 13, what else are you going to do? Yeah,
1: exactly. You go to some parties or you do it, you know, but everybody's doing it. So yeah, why no, not? You're, you're not doing
0: weird. do your homework? No.
1: <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. Yeah, you want to be the cool kid. Everybody wants to be the cool kid. And, and that's what made you cool in that, in that. And if you were the one that had the alcohol, that was cool. You're the cool kid there. So mm-hmm. I think, and especially you're so impressionable. So you want to be accepted and it's horrifying not to be when you're that age at mm-hmm. such a young age. All you want to do is be just like all the other kids. And if all the other kids means you're drinking or smoking or doing all those things, like you're just trying to fit in. There's some people that have it that they do that and it triggers the addiction part of it and Mm -hmm. it triggers alcoholism. You know, my mother's a recovering alcoholic. So I truly, I know there's like such debates about like if it is a disease, is, you know, hereditary, things like that. I believe it is just because my mom is a recovering alcoholic, her entire family. Was alcohol, you know, so it was like, um, and actually, they were from England, and you do use
0: um, that as an excuse, though, like, well, you're an alcoholic, and not just to put it out there, but like, I could remember my mom never drank, yeah, my dad never drank, but my mom's family, they're all crackheads, yeah, <laughs> 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 my family on blast, I do love them, but they're really fucked up, yeah, yeah, well, what do you expect? Like, they're all fucked up, this is my bloodline, so you right, know. yeah, did you ever use that as a um, an-
1: I don't know if I used it as an excuse. I think it was acceptable to drink. I I remember like I remember one of my core memories, which is going to sound crazy. It's actually still a good memory. It wasn't the worst memory in the world. But one of my core memories was we had my family and I had this group of other families. It was like five different families, all of us very close. I was close with their kids kind of thing. So every Friday, Saturday, we were all together. Parents were drinking, partying, you know, doing their thing. And uh, I remember one was at our house and the moms were lined up outside of the front of our house because they had soaked the watermelon in vodka. And they had eaten the watermelon and they were all sitting out there drinking the juice and everything like that. And I was just like, and they were so happy. They were so happy, and they were all doing because they were all so drunk. But like whatever, they were good with it. But it was fine. But like I was just like, "There, that's what I want." Like they're all happy, they're all just having fun, and like it was okay. And I was always dubbed the party girl. My sister was school; she did like she was uh, athletic. She was so she did that, and I was kind of dubbed because I was outgoing. I talked a lot. I did all these kinds of things. I was dubbed like the party girl. So when I, and for a long time, I wasn't for the record, but I still got dubbed it. And then I was just like, well, I'm feeding into it. Like if I'm going to be the party girl, I'm going to all the parties. I'm going to go do this. Oh, yeah. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm going full on here. Let's go. And um, I think, so I don't know if I necessarily, necessarily want to say that because she was an alcoholic, I blame that on me doing it. I think seeing that lifestyle though. I definitely was like, "That's what I want."
0: Did your parents let you drink though when you were like fourteen? Like, did Um, Did (laughs) Google? Sorry, it just it listens. It's listening. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, I
0: know. Go on. Sorry. Did they let you drink?
1: Um, they did.
0: You were bringing your friends over and you were getting drunk in their bar. And did they? So I know that some parents think, well, if they're not doing it here they're going to do it on the street. So I'd rather them do it in my house than them be on the streets. And I have no idea what they're doing. Right.
1: Um, no, they did not. Uh, we did that very hush hush. We were downstairs. That's where we all slept because it was like a finished basement, yeah. but it like the bar to the side. So we kind of did very hush hush. We were allowed to drink, but it was like some wine at dinner with like, you know, at like, Holiday. Yeah, Yeah, that kind of stuff. It wasn't like my dad was slinging drinks at me, making margaritas in Margaritaville and like doing all that. It wasn't really that. When I got older, like after 18, he was like, let's go. We're going to, let's, we're going to get drunk. Let's do this. Like that's when it really was. Um, but when we were younger, no, they were, my parents were very by the book people. Like they were like, no, because we could get in trouble. And like I wasn't allowed to drive with people for the longest time because I was on their insurance. So nobody could be in the, so they were very rural people when it came to that kind of stuff. I think because they knew what would happen with me.
0: <laughs> so When do you think that you really started drinking a lot? Like what, what, what age was that? Was that still in your teens or what, like, was it like early 20s? You know, I
1: would say like after high school, I definitely drank in high school. Um, but once I got that. I don't know, like, the seal of approval that it's okay to drink. Like, it wasn't as hush-hush. Like, my parents were like, okay, we get it. What age like- ages
0: mm-hmm. off to high school. Remember, I'm not from U.S., so. Oh, I- yeah, so
1: 18, 18. Okay. So it was about 18. Um, Like I said, in in high school, I definitely drank. They knew I drank. It's not like it was a hidden thing. I just didn't do it around them. Um, But right after high school, I kind of went full on. And I just was like, this is the life I want to live. I was a beer girl for a long time. I did like – so I was a bartender. So it was around me and I was like, this is fantastic. This is the coolest thing in the world. I get to drink and do all this stuff and like – so – and I loved it.
0: <laughs> um. So working around alcohol, do you think that made you drink more?
1: Um, it made me – know more about it. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, I definitely, I learned how to not get a hangover and I learned how to, I learned how to function, which sounds so stupid, but I did. I was a functioning alcoholic until a year ago. You know, um, I, I remember getting a hangover and was like, this is the worst thing in the world. And then I would work with people that drink all the time, and I got the tips and tricks of it. Like, oh, no, here, have some pickle juice, have a Diet Coke in the morning, have this. And I lived by that because it was fine because I was, I thought I was taking care of my stuff, you know? I thought I was taking care of myself, my kids, all this kind of stuff, and uh, I really was just hiding myself and just drinking to oblivion every night and just, like, waking up and doing it every single day.
0: Do you think that there's any – so – I don't know how I feel about this, right? But, like, for you, like, do you think that, like, if you drink a lot, like, there's an underlying issue? Couldn't you just possibly just like getting drunk and just like getting drunk or doing drugs? There, does there need to always be like psychological analysis to when you were three <laughs> years old to this happen and this is why you drink so much? Why, why, why is there no one talking about like, what if you just like getting drunk?
1: Yeah, I, agree. I, I honestly agree. For me, there's definitely some other things happening in my, in my brain, um, that I was really trying to not deal with. But I, uh, I 100% agree with what you said, to be honest, because I think, but I think that just the track record uh, of when people get sober and then they kind of talk about it, there is always something. There's always like something that triggers them to be like that, something. And even after, I stopped drinking. I thought it was just because I liked drinking mm. and and that was after I came out, too. like I was drinking after I came out because i yeah you ha- I had to. I had to medically do that because i was I would have been a nightmare. I think it was, but in my brain, it made it better. um but i uh I still thought it was just like i I just liked it. like I like the way it felt. I like all the things. Um but the more time that I was sober, I was like, oh no. There was definitely some some things I was doing. That's why I was drinking so much kind of thing. Uh, it was just like I was hiding stuff. So it was that was just a way for me to just suppress all that bullshit and just kind of move through my day, survive, basically.
0: When you see people who can have one or two drinks, do you ever wish like, I oh, wish I could do that?
1: I'm so jealous of them. I'm so jealous or of them. go out
0: and have like one drink. I hate, hate it. Like, that's it they don't need anything else
1: no and then they get drunk I was like I was not a cheap date I was not I could drink a big old man under the table that was like so like it was I was like I want to be the ones that can have one drink and then like wake up the next morning with a hangover and stuff what I would drink three bottles of wine and wake up at six o'clock in the morning and get all my stuff done and like like it was nothing um I'm still so jealous of those people I go out with my friends like now I tend to go out when they go to bars and stuff. I'll go out. I leave early. Everybody knows I leave early, but like I'll still go out and they'll be like, well, is this bothering you? No, it's just I know I'm not responsible with it. And that's it's me. It's not your you guys are responsible with it. I am not. I realize I'm not an adult when it comes to alcohol, so I have to not do it. I still like watch them and just dream a little bit and just, I'm like, you know, I just, I'm like, can I get the fake wine now? Is that going to make it worse or better? <laughs> so, is it so
0: hard for you though, to be around people who are drinking or in a, an environment that everyone is drinking and you're the sober one. Um, how do you enjoy yourself?
1: So it's a... Uh it depends on what day it is. I know that sounds kind of stupid, but it does. It's a, it's very situational. And I'm in a career that mixers are a thing. That's how you get business. And, um, so it's, it can be difficult. I try to go into those situations when it comes to work, at least. I try to go into those situations thinking like you'd be way worse if you were drinking anyway. Like you're not gonna make any connections, you're not gonna make any money if you do this. Like if you're sitting there getting, you know, schmammered, you're gonna you're not gonna do what you need to do. So sometimes with that, I tend to be okay, more okay, because I know I'm taking care of business. Like that's work. But when it's like everybody's having fun and it's like Christmas parties and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I, it, it does irk me a little bit, but I just try to push through it and just like, I know that one day it's not going to. So I just, I just keep going and it, I don't want it to infringe on my bubbly self, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I like going out. I still like going to bars, even though I'm not drinking, like I just like that atmosphere. I oh, always yeah. have. You know, I like being Especially in like, New York, the city vibes. Yeah. Yeah. So Is it's not like, hard though.
0: Is that it, not hard?
1: It can be. It can be for sure. And it's that's why everybody knows. Like in my um so on my team, we call ourselves the licensed to sell team, but we're a work family and they're they are like my brothers and sisters. We fight like brothers and sisters. We get like that's just but we all kind of yesterday we were paintballing and doing stuff like that. And like they all know though. Laura doesn't drink. Don't tempt her, don't do that. So if they see me getting a little off like off balance, they'll kind of take me to the side and like like the, uh, it's nice to have that kind of support. Yeah,
0: 100%. You're very lucky, Taz. Yeah, that.
1: absolutely. I and I understand I'm very fortunate of that and not many people have that. Um yeah. or I just take myself out of the situation. I'll go for an hour and then I'm like, "All right, bye. I don't care. I can't, but I I was there for a little bit."
0: Is that your way of like, like when you realize, "Okay, I'm I'm not having fun here because all I'm thinking about is I want to drink. Yeah. You know, so in order for me to maintain myself, I need to get out of this situation. Right. Yeah. Do you think that kind of makes you reclusive though. And you tend to not now go out and stuff. Or you've like, you mentioned you went paintballing, you can find other things to do. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a bar situation all the time.
1: Right. Um, in the beginning, it did. It made me feel really crappy. Um, it made me feel like I was going to lose all my friends. I did lose some friends just getting sober. Um, and that's okay. It was just that I didn't fit into their lifestyle anymore. And it's just life. Like, you grow. That's like a different It's – I'm in a different phase of my life, and that's all right. Um, so in the beginning, it definitely did get to me. But I learned – the last three years, I've learned a ton. And um, I've learned that, like – I have to do it for me. Like, I have to put my safety mask on first before I help anybody else. And if that means I have to leave because I'm feeling, like, really, like, I have to – I can't be in this situation or environment, then I have to leave. And, like, the friends that are going to be friends don't care. They'll still be my friends tomorrow. They're still – they don't care if I'm drinking or not kind of thing. Um, But it, t- it did t- – it, it took me a long time to get there. It, it did – in the beginning, it was really, like – I thought that was it. I thought my life was like over to be honest. Cause I, I mean, I had Sunday fun days at my house. We started drinking bloody Mary's at 10 o'clock and we went all day and it was okay because everybody was around. The family was around. We were cooking. We were doing stuff. Like, so it was a very much a part of like every part of my life. It was a part of my career. It was a part of my personal life. My husband at the time, not that he was a drunk, but he was a social drinker and things like that. And he was good with it. But then, you know, we'd have bonfires and we do the So it was like we'd go on quad rides for three hours and bring beer, pack the beers in the quad and do all that kind of stuff. And like, I was like, oh, my God, now I can't quad ride. Now I can't go to bonfires. Now I can't. <laughs> like in the beginning, I was like, I can't do any of these things because everybody has alcohol. But as time goes on and you learn how strong you are, you're able to be like, oh, OK, no, I can do this. It's OK. And maybe it's just going for an hour at a time until you can get used to it a little bit more. 30 minutes. Even if it's something, I don't tempt yourself, but if you feel strong enough, go for 30 minutes and then leave. Like, you're going to be fine. You can get through it. You'd be surprised. Like, I always say this to people and they never believe it. I never believed it. But you are a lot stronger than you think you are. And like, getting through that first 30 minutes, the first time you decide you could do it, is the biggest step. And it's just go for another 30 minutes next time, see what happens, you know? And maybe the next time after that, you can't do it at all, and that's okay. A week ago, I thought I was going to drink, and I'm into it. Is it possible
0: to have fun without drinking then?
1: Is it possible? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I have a blast now. I enjoy it, and I just laugh at people now because I'm like, I'm going to wake up feeling so good right now. You guys are not going to feel good in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and like, I, I like remembering things. I like remembering the night. I like remembering, um, talking what I said to people, you know, I like not waking up the next day feeling like crap and then having anxiety all day because number one, alcohol in general does that, that to you. Yeah. You have that next day like, oh <laughs> and then, um, and the depression, I mean, I was prone to depression. I went through depression and anxiety. Like we were saying, like a ton of people do. And that alcohol, that doesn't help you. That does not help how you're feeling that low level. And you're drinking like that in excess. That's adding to it completely. So. So what do you think? So you, th- you
0: think that what when you reach a level of. Drunk and you're now drinking more. Like, what, what was, uh, what was the reason? You know, why did you just, why didn't you stop it too? Laura? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it
0: was so easy, right?
1: Yeah. It was fine. I could have done it if I wanted to, obviously. Um, no, I, I was so insecure with myself. I hated myself. Genuinely hated myself. Um, I hated inside and out. I didn't think I was smart enough. Didn't think I was pretty enough. Didn't think I was thin enough. I didn't have a job. I didn't go to college. I wasn't a career person. Um, you know, I was dating on and off people. I dated somebody that was really terrible, a very toxic person for me. And um, that didn't help. And it was just, I was also not happy. It, like just in general and had no idea why. And I remember my, um, my husband at the time, whom was the first person I told you I came out to. And, uh, during our marriage, we were married for a decade and he, I would be so low sometimes. And he'd be like, I just don't understand what's wrong. Like, look at, we have a family. We've had this beautiful house on three acres. You know, we have all these things. And like, why are you not happy? And I would tell him time and time again, I have no idea. I have no idea why I'm like this. I have no idea why I'm so up and down. I like and it was I had dated women very quietly when I was young because I thought I was experimenting. You know, I didn't know. I was like, oh, "Okay, like I do like them, but like what does that mean?" But not that my my dad when I was younger didn't agree with the homosexual lifestyle. As I got older, he's my favorite story because as I got older, he became more accepting of it. Um, I remember I had a friend that I, he was gay. He lived in Florida he, and he wanted to come visit. And I said, dad, can he please stay? And he was like, great. Yeah, this is okay. Perfect. And by the time we called him Heavy D or Diz. And, uh, by the time Diz left, my dad was like, that's my gay son right there. I love him. And I was like, yes, we made we, we got somewhere with it. <laughs> and like, even, even after I came out, he was a little, a little leery of it and a little like, I don't quite understand this, but I'm going to try to, like, I don't know, but we're going to give it a shot. Um, so, but when I was younger, it was not a thing. I, and I didn't want to disappoint them. And I thought that was going to be a big disappointment was being gay. And so I kind of stuffed that down and was like, just do what you're supposed to do. And that's get married, have babies. And just live a lifestyle like that. And so I did. And I married a great guy. You know, my ex-husband is a fan. He's my best friend. And he's my biggest supporter. Um, and I'm very fortunate, again, in that situation. Because I understand that it could have gone all sorts of wrong when I when I came out. And he he came to every single person I came out to. He was right next to me every time. And so when I was, when all of this happened, I came out, long story short, sorry. Um I came, no, out, time? <laughs> came out, I stopped drinking, um, all the things, uh, my husband and I separated, like everything happened. I started realizing I was fine. And it was crazy because like, I wasn't having those on the floor moments of crying and not wanting to wake up in the morning kind of thing and not knowing why. And it was just, I did a lot of soul searching though. This was not easy. There was a lot of crying involved and a lot of like, uh, staying in bed for a day or two because I just, I didn't know. Um, so it, it took a lot and there was, I was lucky to have, um, you know, I call him my brother, but my, mentor. He, he essentially got me into real estate. And, um, you know, Dickie Baxter and vinny Rita took me under their wings and were like, we're not going to let you do this. Like, you're not going to fail. We're going to get you through this. And it was, it was a lot. They helped me get sober. They helped me not want to not wake up in the morning kind of thing. You know, I don't know how to say that. With- <laughs> no,
0: I know. I understand that. You're very fortunate to find people who care about you I know I know it sounds like crazy but it really does for people I think that's what they lack is somebody like to fall back on do you know what I mean and so Mm -hmm. they just end up going back into the same cycles because they're not also around positive people who who have their best interests you know
1: right and And they don't have people that are telling them just get up in the morning yeah if all you do is get up get up like if all you do is take a shower like I don't love to preach, do the bare minimum. It's not my favorite thing in the world. Um, I tend, to, for myself personally, go to, you have to go to work, you have to do, you have responsibilities and you have no time to take off. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the throes of it and you're feeling the things that you feel, if you get up in the morning, God love you. Like, good for you. Don't take that away from what you're doing. And like, the thing is, is I saw a lot of for my own self I saw a lot of dark times and a lot of like and I don't I hate knowing that other people feel like that mm. like I hate that and so just just get up in the morning get up in the morning and take that day and you know we were talking and I didn't do AA it just wasn't for me and it's a great program it worked for my mother she was she she did it she worked the steps she did all that it was a fantastic thing I just found people that were kind of like-minded, um, online, actually via TikTok and joined a Zoom thing and was on the Zoom every Wednesday and did like that kind of thing. And, um, that's how I got through it. But like, don't take away from your improvements, even if it's one day at a time, one hour, one minute. Like, I know that, you know, AA preaches that and that's a, and, but. Yeah. So true. It's so true because sometimes that's all you can think about. So if you can make it to the next minute without drinking, like do it, just do it and take track of it. I count everything. I have counts for everything. I do. It's so funny. I had not smoking. I'm over a hundred days. I had drinking. I was like 365. I had countdowns for everything and it was just because I had to see it. Mm. Do it you feel more bad? Yeah, exactly. Like every time the day ticked forward, I was like, "I did it! I did it!" And I I needed that. Yeah. So it was just more of a visual thing. I had I had to see it happening. Yeah,
0: and and now there are so many like sobriety apps that you can get yep. which are free, and they count the days with you, and they yep. give you like that six mark since six months mark one year, and I swear it's like your birthday. Yep. When, right. And it is you feel so good. Um, so give us more context to how much you were really drinking on a daily basis, and what was the breaking point that you just thought I can't do this anymore.
1: So I was drinking at least a box to two boxes of wine, which is like three, each box is like three bottles um every day. And I was smoking cigarettes and like you smoke cigarettes. It is what it is. But like, obviously we all know that's terrible for you. Like it is, it is. We don't want to promote smoking, but that's what I was doing. Um, I didn't work out. I didn't do anything like that. All I did was drink. And so I would do that every single day. Um, and on the weekends, twice as much because it was the weekends. And so my breaking point, um, I went through, so I didn't, I got sober for, 98 days. I didn't even make the 100 days and I drank. Um, it was after I came out and I realized like, uh, it was before I came out, but it was like, I told my husband it, like what was going on. Like, listen, this is what I think I need to take a break from drinking while I figure myself out.
0: How did you come out to your husband? Because you were in a, a marriage with kids, right? Yeah. Did, yes. did you know that could break up your family and affect your children as well, right? Yeah. So how did you come out to him and, and like have the confidence to actually do it? You know, I think many people are in relationships and they're, and they're like, I'm just going back to Philip Schofield in the UK. He's a big anchor. He came out gay at the age of 60. He was married for 40 years. And I can't imagine how many people are also in that same situation. So you've obviously come out quite early, earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you just say, this is enough? I need to be me.
1: It was, it was kind of a process. It wasn't like I just was like, "Hey, I'm gay." <laughs> 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 kind of just.
0: Were you, you sure you were gay? Was there like times where you thought I might not be? You know?
1: Yeah. So it's kind of funny, and I he won't care that I'm saying. So it's going to be a weird conversation. But let's go. Um. So we. All right. Hold on. I have this plugged in. Um. So we were having marital issues. My depression was like kicking everybody's ass, not just mine. It was just everybody. My anxiety was through the roof. Um, you know, it was at the point where like I really genuinely became a recluse and wouldn't go out because I was so nervous about doing everything. Um, and him and I were miserable. We were absolutely miserable and we were both drunk one night and, um, after a bonfire or something talking and I started talking about having an open marriage. And he was like, you know, then that means something's wrong with us. And I was like, no, I feel like maybe we just aren't those types of people that need to be, we love each other, we, you know, but like maybe we're just not those kinds of people like that need to stay faithful. And uh, he was like, oh, so we ended that conversation and the next morning – he was like, I don't know what I was thinking. No, absolutely not. I can't even do this. <laughs> and so I was like, well. And he goes, I can't imagine you with another man. And that's when I was like, well, I kind of feel like it wouldn't be with a man. And he he was like, oh. So it started from there, and it was just like he he was like, you know, he's a fantastic person. He's a man as well. And he's very typical when it comes to that kind of stuff. So he's, and not in that sense of like he wanted to get involved, but he's like, I don't mind having that going on, you know? Um, So it was like, okay. And then the more we started and we had the most fantastic conversations, like we were the most open we had ever been now with everything out on the table. And he was like, but are you gay? And I'm like, no way. I'm just bi. No way. No way. I knew what was going on in my brain. But, like, I loved him. So I was so conflicted with how that was going to work because I was like, I do love this man, though. Like, he's fantastic, but not happy. I'm not happy. Like, but he is fantastic. And he's the father of my kids. Am I really going to break up my marriage? So if I can have my wonderful husband have an open marriage, like, this is great. I can get everything I need. The more time went on, he came to me and he was like, you want to have a relationship with these women? And I was like, no. And he was like, no, you do. And he was like, it's okay, like, but we have to talk about this. And he was the one that started the conversation. And it was just like, he was like, you don't, the way you talk about it, like we would talk about everything. We would talk about the dates we went on. We would talk about this, all this kind of stuff. Because we were both very insistent of we have to be able to talk about this. The minute we can't, we have to either stop it or some, you know, something's gotta get. So we would talk about like the people we were interested in. And the he would be like, yeah, but you want like a relationship? And I'm like, no, 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 no. And finally, I was just like, Did you think right.
0: that you just wanted to have fun and like, you know, sleep with women? So to be graphic, but you know, yeah. That, and I have your husband as well, you know. Yeah,
1: I wanted my cake. I need it too. What's wrong with that? Why yeah. can't I do that? Um, yeah, that's exactly what I thought I wanted. Um, but I didn't. And the way actually I explain it to my kids I, is, um, when we, we were split for a year before we told anybody what was going on. And the way I explain it to my kids, I don't quite talk about my sexuality with them. Sure, they're, they're still too very young. young. Yeah. yeah, They don't, they wouldn't comprehend it. It's not that I'm ashamed. Yeah. They just don't understand that yet. Yeah, too young. It's too much. They would get
0: confused. Yeah.
1: So um, the way I explain it to them is that daddy and I still love each other, but we love each other like a family, not a romantic love. And those are two very different loves. We were always meant to have the kids. We were always meant to be in each other's lives, but we were meant to be in each other's lives as family, not as romantic husband and wife or like kissy is what I say to them. We're not supposed to kiss. Um, and they're like, they love that explanation. They, and they love that mom and dad are family. And that's how we look at it. Like there's no, they just don't love each other like husband and wife. They don't kiss and that's okay, you know? So, um, and I truly, like, it's not just something I came up with to tell the kids. I truly believe I was supposed to meet him. I would truly believe I was supposed to have my kids with him. And, like, not that it's great. We go through ups and downs, and there's some awkward times and, like, those kinds of things. But, like, we make it work. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's like the new age family, though. We're not as abnormal as I thought. The more, like, I'm out talking to people about this, things like that, like, I meet more people that are like, oh, my God, yeah. Like, that's what we are. Like, I'm gay or he's gay and, like, we just – and it's the most – like, there's horror stories out there, but you know what? And I know, like, sometimes the drama and stuff like that people tend to flow towards, but I hate that. Like, I want to be the one that's like, no, you can make it work. Like, the, the, it's good. It can be good. You have to get through a lot of it. There's a lot of shit you got to get through. Sorry, but there is. But once you get there – Keep that. You don't want the drama, especially with kids.
0: So what led to your divorce? Because uh, it's obviously that you didn't just want to sleep with women, right? So you wanted more yeah. women than just sex. Um, and then did you come to the point where you were like, I can't be married to you because I want to be in a relationship with somebody else?
1: That's a, That's kind of exactly what happened. Um, it, and like I said, it was like a process, though. It wasn't just it didn't all happen all at once. It was over an extended period of time, um, but the real, and I will never forget it, I was never going to split up my family because my family did not believe in divorce. It was so shunned. It was so, and I had kids, forget it. And I was already the, I was already the screw up. I was already the one that made all the mistakes. Like I got pregnant. I was knocked up at my wedding that I had in my backyard because I was too broke to have a a real one. Like, you know, I had 20 people. I had a true shotgun wedding. Like, I got engaged on a Thursday and married on the following Friday. Like, it was – so I had done all the things. My parents were like, oh, God, here we go. So (laughs) I was like, I'm not doing – no, I can't be the one. And we were remodeling our kitchen. And we were at Home Depot. And he was asking – the guy was helping us put together everything – I was in tears the entire time, and my husband looked over at me, and and when we got home, he would ask me stuff, and I'm like, whatever you need, whatever you want, like, you know, you you have a better eye for this. So we got home, and he was like, can we just call a spade a spade? And he was like, you don't want to do this. And I was like, no, and he was like, Laura, like, you're killing yourself. And he was like, you're so upset, you're so miserable, and he's like, and you're trying to sacrifice all of what you want just to keep us together, and he was like, "I can't. It's breaking my heart watching this." Oh my god! Yeah. I'm gonna cry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and oh, I I sobbed like a baby. I sobbed like a baby for for hours.
0: Oh my he god. In,
1: he what is. He <laughs> is. <Melissa. laughs> crazy. Yep. Um. And he, he and he is. And it was just like, it was that moment that I was like, "You're really right." Like, you're so right. We can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Like, and he just recognized that I I genuinely didn't want to hurt my family. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to hurt him. I. It wasn't like I intentionally wanted any of this to happen, to get it. You know, it wasn't any of that. And the fact that he could recognize it and be like, we got to stop. Like, wow. we can't do That's this anymore. anymore. So and that's why, like, I talk. He, and he didn't you
0: know, have no hate towards you, or like, you know, he obviously might have been hurt himself because you're his wife, and yeah. you want to leave him. Yeah. So, but he was like, look, if this is not making you happy, I, I'm not going to hold no grudges. That's and, insane. That's yeah, insane. and that's what it was. It was a.
1: It was a. We had always been friends from the minute I met him. We were friends, and it's fun. our story was kind of like we were supposed to work out. We were meant to be together. This was what in my brain. This is how it worked. We went to high school together. I loved him in high school. I had the biggest crush on this kid in high school. Right, right after high school, I was working. He came in and asked me out, Aww. and I was like, I have a boyfriend. Four years later, five years later, we met at a bar, and I was like, oh, my God. Actually, I think I acted like I didn't know him, or I was, like, very (laughs) sly about it some of the way. And um, that's how we had started talking again. And all. so, like, in my brain, I was very much like, no, 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 no. Like, we were supposed – this was all supposed to pan out. And, like, I can't be the one that's messing this up. Like, I'm the one that messes everything up. I don't want to do this. And so I think I just had that notion of, like, how bad is life going to be if I just keep this, like – Shoved way deep deep down, and that goes into the drinking, so I shoved everything way deep down, and I was just like, I'm just gonna like try not to remember life right now, and just like hopefully I could survive this until I die. I don't know, <laughs> you know, um but like yeah he he really like he really helped me come to terms with what was going on um and and like I'll never. I know that sometimes when I tell the story, people are always wanting the juicy details or like, who, who did what? And, you know, all the, net. there really wasn't, we had our own fights that we'll keep personal to ourselves, but he really helped me come into my own and really understand what was going on. Um, there was a lot of confliction in, in my head. I, you know, and he really was the one that was like, you got to do you like you've never done you all you've ever done is for the family or, or other people like it's time like it's Laura's time right now and so he was the one that really helped and it was so
0: you you've known him since you were like a teenager in school like he knew you it's not like you know you meet a guy when you're older this guy has seen you growing up like he really does know you
1: yeah so he can see that I think he did. And I think that definitely helped in our situation. And we had a very, in the very beginning of our relationship, we had a lot of things thrown at us. And our only line was, we're not here to be romantic. We're here to be friends. And that was always like, we always went back to being friends. And like, whenever anything, whenever anything happened, I'd be like, I'm not here to be your girlfriend or wife or whatever it was. I'm here to be your friend. Like... That's how we need to get through this. Even when yeah. it was, we were married, we would say that to each other. Like, no, we have to be friends right now.
0: Wow. And like, that's
1: how you have to get through this right now. So
0: you to educate other people.
1: <laughs> on how to he's yeah. private.
0: The operation does hey.
1: he's so private. He's such a private person. Like, I had to have a very long talk about like doing this homebound or bust or like talking to you, uh, which he loves it. He's so supportive, but he's like, you know. Maybe don't share too too much. And I'm like, I got to
0: <laughs> No, but it's amazing like how you you know, you, you put your friendship first before your your uh re- romantic relationship, and that way you're always you know like you genuinely care about him and he genuinely cares about you. So even if you're not romantically linked, but well, you always still care about each other and that love hasn't been lost.
1: Right. And that's
0: that's incredible to see. Like right educate so many people on that, like
1: how they, it's like, how do you even do that? You know what it is? We had to put our pride away. And we didn't just have us to think about, it It was our kids. Our kids Mm -hmm. love us very much. And they're both, or all three of them are just sweethearts. Mm -hmm. Like they are, they're tough when they have to be, but for the most part, they're very sweet kids. And we, we have a responsibility to them, And we had to put our pride aside and be like, well, we can't mess them up. Like, we're not gonna agree, but we are never gonna get to the point where it's, you know, dad versus mom. It's mm-hmm. always still gonna be dad and mom. You know, and, uh, that's where, that's where our responsibility lies. And <clears throat> sorry, um, that's, that's how we keep it. And like you said, like our love just shifted. It didn't go away. It just transformed into something else. And that's fine. I think that happens naturally. You go mm-hmm. through friends in life, through the different ph- phases of your life. It was almost like that. We just didn't like ditch each other. Like we just shifted to where our love went. So exactly. it was good. We had each other for the phase we needed each other in. So, mm-hmm.
0: so you got sober before for three months and then you relapsed.
1: Yes. Uh, oh Yes.
0: <laughs> what led to your relapse? I know um, you're coming up, but like what actually led to your relapse?
1: So uh Stress. I know that sounds so stupid, but that's what started it. Um, I was in, I was doing great at work. I wasn't screwing up. Um, so it was getting busier, which is so cool. Only it's getting busier and now I have stress and I wasn't, I didn't do the part where how to work with stress without alcohol or without some kind of a crutch that kind of like, you know, kind of eased it. So I had a terrible day one day. Um, I think I had like four clients calling and screaming about some kind of something with the bank or I'm sure whatever it was. And I was just like, I'm going to have a glass of wine. And I had a glass of wine and I fell asleep and I was like, cool, that was neat. I just had one glass of wine. And then the next day I was like, I'm going to have one glass of wine and it's fine, obviously. And so I did that. And then, um, I came out, we decided that it was time. I, you know, I had, he wasn't sure. Um, he wasn't sure he wanted to tell people about what was going on until, and I agreed with that until we figured it out until we, we, cause we didn't want everybody putting their hands in the pot while we were still trying to figure it out too. So we were kind of, so it was at that time, we had it kind of figured out. We were still living together. Um, but we were like, we could do this until, and he was like, you know, until you could buy a house or until you could do this. So it was, and then it hit that time to where I had to start, I had to start saying something. I couldn't live quietly anymore. I didn't want to. And he was like, okay. And he said to me, he was like, once you shoot that bullet though, you can't put it back in. And I said, I know, let's do this. So I um, started drinking at about nine o'clock that morning and we told his mom. And I was like, I need some kind of courage. There's no way I'm, I'm – I almost said something not for real. I, there's no way I'm going through this sober. I'm going to say it that way. And uh, so I was like, I'm going to – I need some liquid courage on this. So we told his mom, hugged me. You have to be happy. And I was like, oh, this ain't going to be so bad. This is going to be good. Everybody loves us. It's going to be fine. I went to <laughs> tell my parents – yeah, I went to tell my parents and I was uh pretty much all the way in the bag at that point. I mean, there was no coming back from I didn't stop drinking. Um, and my dad had nothing to say to me. He said, No, you're bye. And that was the end of our conversation. Um, he then well he blamed he he went through his emotions. He was very angry. He said, I was gonna screw up my kids. He said all the things, you know. Um, and so I just dove deeper into drinking. Because I felt like I lost my family, which we've come back from, um, you know. And then I had to tell his dad because his mom and dad were split. So I, then we went to tell his dad and his dad yelled and screamed at me. And, you know, how dare I take advantage of it? It's his son. You can't blame him, you know. You can't blame the parents. I just screwed over his son. So I took on a lot of guilt which may be rightfully so. It was my decision. It was me that did all of this, you know, not on purpose, but it was. So I kind of dove deeper into the guilt part of everything coming out. And as I was telling people, you know, and my husband was a great guy, you know, he would give you the shirt off of his back. He would do all this kind of stuff. I was the scumbag. I was the jerk that came in and really just like screwed up everything, so then I took that on because there was people but that that must
0: really hard for you though because it's like your reason why you know now you're breaking up your family now your your children might be impacted by this because they might you know a lot and traditionally it's it is a lot of people will be like well how can you raise a child in that circumstance right mm-hmm. then it's, it's only now that it's kind of been introduced to society but like. As his dad might be from a different time where things weren't really, you know, all of them,
1: they were all these yeah. babies. Yeah. And that was not okay, you know, and divorce wasn't okay. Even if the, his parents got divorced when, um, him and I were married for just a couple years, you know, but, um, but to be getting divorced because I was gay, that's not okay. Like, how do I, I, he thought his dad thought I tricked his son. Into marrying to have kids and things like that. That was what he thought. And you know, like I said, I can't blame him. Like it's hard to wrap your mind around if you're not around that ever. You can't get mad at people for not understanding.
0: Of course. You know,
1: I um I'm fortunate enough that my father-in-law, I still call him my father-in-law, and he mm-hmm. calls me his daughter. I will always be his daughter. Um, you know. It was, it took a while. And that's when, that's why I was drinking. I felt like a piece of shit crap. Sorry. I don't know. Can I curse? Yeah. Right? Okay. So no. I felt like a piece of shit. Yeah, anything you want. <laughs> um, so I felt like a piece of shit. I felt like such a jerk that I was doing this to this wonderful man and his family and my kids and my family. Like I felt like such a jerk. So I, after I came out, I thought, the heavens were going to open all my problems were going to go away and i was going to be this awesome wonderful person only it turns out i felt way worse about myself then so and the only way i knew how to deal with that was drinking so i did it and then i was my kid's birthday party december 26th we had my kid's birthday party and i woke up december 27th on his birthday and i had no idea what happened the next day the day before I had not a I don't I still don't have that memory. I have no idea what happened at my kids birthday and um my my husband came up to me and said fix your shit. And he was like I don't I don't know what you think you're doing but whatever happened you need to fix. And that's when I stopped drinking. That was it. I didn't like I didn't look back because I was like obviously I can't control it. I've tried to stop before. And not just that other time. Like I had many a times I had tried to stop drinking, but I didn't equate it to me having a problem. That's why I started drinking again. I just equated it to that was life. And I just, it was fine. Everybody goes through this, you know? Um, but yeah, that was it. I actually ended up calling his uncle, who is a recovering, he was like 30 years clean, um, having a long conversation. I couldn't call my mom for it. It was something I didn't want. I didn't want to give her that guilt mm-hmm. of like, oh my God, I was then, Now she is. And I couldn't work through that with my own mom. Like that was just too, too much. So mm-hmm. I ended up calling his, um, his uncle and just, I kind of, and then I finally found that community on TikTok. And I know that sounds so silly, but TikTok is another platform and there are some cool things that come out of it. Mm-hmm. And like, that was one of them that they had, I just was scrolling and I was on Sober Talk Which apparently is a thing. And now I'm really on it. Yeah. (laughs) So, and they had, it was just, it was just like a post. It wasn't anybody doing anything. It was just like, Oh, meeting here. This, and here's the information. And, um, one of my friends that I had met through sober TikTok text me and was like, Are you going to go to that? I was like, I just saw it. And she goes, Just go. It's cool. And it was probably 50 people on this zoom. And it was the coolest thing in the world. Like they still kind of did some of the AA things, but they didn't. Mm. And I loved that part of it. And the energy was like my age group. Some yeah. were a little bit younger, but not really. And it, so it was just like, and it was such a positive, like AA to me, I need positive. I can't listen to horror stories. Mm-mm. It wasn't doing anything other than like, well, I'm not that bad. Yeah, like I'm not doing that. So I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not doing like any of the things that are happening. I obviously don't have a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I needed positive. Mm -hmm. And like, I needed to hear the people say, I've never been happier in my life. I Mm -hmm. needed to hear the people tell their transformation story Mm -hmm. instead of the crap stories that were happening, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's how I kind of got through it. And it was day by day. And it was, um, you know, uh, Max, who I had met through Sober TikTok, you know, we were on, we were in contact and stuff like that. And it, it was just kind of that kind of thing. Um, so so Sober TikTok, if you're looking, it really does help.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you think that helped you because you were in a position where you're like, well, I'm not the only one now. Like, as in that sense, that like you've seen other people grind through the same thing as you, so
1: you don't feel so alone, right? Yep. When you, when you start hearing people with the same feelings and the same stories, or at least have some kind of similarity, it's the most comforting Mm. because you don't feel as alienated as you did before. And Mm. you're like, Oh shit, I'm not that crazy. Like I'm not that. And that's what you do. You sit there and you, you, you know, at least for me, I battled, I waged war on my brain and my heart, you know, like I waged absolute war on myself and I to hear and listen to these people who did the same thing, I was like, oh my God, I'm not that crazy. Like I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one. And that's not to bring it back to this, and I don't mean to do the shame of the puzzle, but that was the another reason for homebound or bust.
0: Mm-hmm. No, you should. should. Everyone, what is it? No, we're gonna hundred percent listen. To <laughs> jazz, we'll, we'll do that at the end so we can focus yeah. on on the uh, social platforms. And I but, think we yeah. can do a podcast because you know what? <laughs> I would listen to it because you're, you're very <laughs> like, you know, confident. And yeah. um, do you think also like you felt like alcohol was the only thing that could give you that confidence at the time?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was the only thing that made me fun and the only thing that made me acceptable to people. I'm awkward, and I know it, and it's okay. Like, I am, and I know I get I have social anxiety. And for somebody that was, I am such a social person, I get so awkward. I have a hard time looking people in the eye. I, And that's just my own confidence thing. But I do, I and I still do, even to this day. Like I have a hard time. Like I'm working on it, and it's something I try to. I I, now I was getting used to shaking hands, but now you can't shake hands anymore. I was like there, and now they're like, no, can't shake hands. I'm like, cool. I was doing really good with it, but um, yeah, like I, it was it was what made me me. I thought. It was what made me, you know, people would call me the mayor because everybody knew me because I would talk to everybody because I went to the bars every single night. I would go to a different bar every night and I made friends with all of the people. So like, it was cool. Everybody accepted. This is Laura. This is, she's so cool. And I was like, that's it. And then when I stopped drinking, I was like, holy shit, I got nothing. I'm not cool anymore. (laughs) But now I just point out how weird I am. And, like, people are like, that's cool. I'm like, I'm going to be so weird in this moment. I just – I need to give you the heads up. I have to voice it and speak it out there, and then I'm going to do it. So you can laugh, but I'm going to tell you I know I'm doing it. <laughs> like, wow, I just ridiculous. headed off at the pass now. I'm like, I'm going to be awkward for at least 20 minutes, and then we could get through it. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> you're one year – is it one year officially now September yep, December
1: 27th, my kids – yeah. Wow,
0: congratulations. Yeah, thank you. What would you – like – many people who listen to this are struggling to to stop drinking right and Mm -hmm. every method is different like no there is not one method that will work for everyone right so like you just mentioned aa is great it is it helps so many people but it's not the only answer and if it doesn't work for you it doesn't mean that you know you can't try other ways and like you just mentioned the hashtags like what, what is the hashtag sober talk, right?
1: Yeah, sober yeah, talk.
0: Hashtag, and you can build a community, like you're in a community now of people, right? And you've made friends yeah, who yeah. are sober and they understand you. And and that's also another option. um And people shouldn't feel so alienated.
1: <sighs> mm-hmm. Or like
0: also society shaming people. Oh, you're the alcoholic, like- Or glorifying,
1: uh, or me. even glorifying it. Half the problem is the glorifying of being an addict. Yeah. It's whether it's alcohol, it's pills, working, yeah. Yeah. any of it. They glorify any kind of addiction and then they give you, right after they glorify it, they give you like the saving story where they're like, well, oh, they were like this terrible and blah, blah, and then look at them now. But like, they don't talk to you about the middle part, part of all of it, which is shit, by the way. Like, it's worse when you, it's terrible trying to figure out how to get through an addiction.
0: Yeah. But nobody
1: gives you that part of it anymore. Yeah. Nobody yeah. talks about it. They talk about the shit part, and then they talk about the the achieving glory part. Mm-hmm. But nobody's talking to you during it, mm-hmm. and I think that's where everybody gets lost
0: mm-hmm.
1: because they're like, "I'm un- un-
0: So, what's kept you sober throughout the last year? What's uh, so you got a new job? So you're busy, which is a good thing. Yeah. So you're not thinking. You know, so you can say, I know you're working out as well. Do you think also working out helps?
1: Very much so. Um, My kids, and I know that's such a cliche answer, but I hate the first five years of my kids' lives. Mm -hmm. I hate who I was. I was miserable. I took advantage of that time. And um, I hate that person I was. I I was not a good mom. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm lucky that, fortunate, I don't like to say lucky, but fortunate that they were still young mm-hmm. and I can kind of recover from that mm-hmm. time. But um <clears throat> that's a big motivator. So my kids, my career is a big motivator because I work with, like I said, my work family, my two brothers, Dickie and Vinny, you know, I don't want to disappoint them. They gave me life. Like they gave me this opportunity and they stuck with me even though I was failing miserably in the beginning. And they stuck it out. They did. I mean, I sucked. I was terrible. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. They were like, Diggy has no emotion when it comes to this, but he's very, he's very much like, get up and go to work. Stop it. Stop doing what you're doing. Don't let everybody else win this. You need to be the one that wins. And then Vinny was the one that was the emotional one that I could go to and just kind of like sob on the phone with and like, oh, I hate everything. You know, so like it was good. I had both those kinds of things happening. So they are. But to be honest, I don't want that hangover that I would have. I don't. I know that sounds terrible, but I have too much shit right now. I don't have time to hangover. I don't have time that drinking takes away from me personally. hmm so I don't and yes, working out absolutely does help me because I get out my anxiety, I get out my depression, I get out my anger because I most certainly have anger. You know? <laughs> I, I, too. I you do. You know. Yeah, and it, and so like I'm getting it all out when I'm at the gym. So I don't just work out to work out and be like, you know, the fitness guru or that I obviously am. <laughs> um, but I'm doing it because it's mentally helping me get my head straight. And I go at four o'clock in the morning before everybody gets there. And I'm like, I ha- I have to, or I lose my mind. So it's absolutely a factor of how I'm doing it. And I talk about drinking and not drinking. I'm very vocal about it. Mm. And I don't care. Uh You know, a lot of people are like, don't talk about that. People will, people will judge you. People will think you'll go back to drinking. People will think you're going to relapse. I, I don't care. mm mm-hmm. I want to talk about screw-ups. is talking about them. Mm -hmm. I want to be like, it's okay. I don't care what other – there are going to be people that judge me. There's going to be people that don't work with me because I'm a recovering alcoholic or because I'm gay or because I was just not that great when I first started, you know? I don't care. I can't. I want to show people that you can recover from this. This is my recovery. And I'm doing it in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. And I'm going to, I'm really going to screw up and, but everybody's going to see it and we're going to get through it together. It's going to be fun. You guys get to enjoy the shit show.
0: (laughs) I that. I I think you're so amazing. Um, you know, for, for parents who like, even though the children is motivation, like it's not enough, uh, for them to get sober, like so many drug addicts and alcoholic parents, like their kids isn't even enough for them because it's too controlling to them so like what advice would you give them you know because you could say you could use your kids as motivation but sometimes that's not even enough for them to get sober right and it's not like they don't love their children because they do but this thing Mm -hmm. is too controlling you know
1: i think it i don't think the kids will make you get sober because that's Mm -hmm. not your only identity you're not just a parent,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you're a person. And so like to get sober just for your kids, you're not going to stay that way because you're not just a mom or a dad or, you know, you're not just that person. So you have to come to terms with all aspects of your life. I was ready and you have to be ready. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was ready, but looking back, I was ready. I was I wasn't ready to stop smoking cigarettes. I I smoked until over a hundred days ago. Like I had to. I needed something, or I was going to lose my brain. Like I had to have some kind of vice. Everybody ha- was doing something, and I was like, I'm going to do it. I don't care, <laughs> you know. But um, and then I worked it out, and now I don't do that. But um, I I think just reaching out, ask for help. There's no shame in asking for help, and if somebody makes you feel that shame, give them my number, and I will talk to them because I know they don't. Ask for help and ask the same question a million times. I say the same thing in my buyer's uh, my buyers meetings. When I'm onboarding buyers, first of all, you're making the biggest purchase you're going to make in your entire life. So let's ask every question, ask it 300 times, and make sure you understand it. I'm never going to get mad if you ask the same question 700 times. Do it. Get it straight in your brain. So if there's people, if you're asking questions for help and they're not helping you, reach out to me. I'll help you. We will figure it out together then. Like I have no patience for people that make you feel like crap because you need help. That I was like that my whole life. People made me feel like crap when I needed help. I not a school person. I sucked at school. I was the worst student. I hated it. Everything. And I, if I asked for help, I didn't get it sometimes, or I'd get some kind of comments, or like you should know this already. I'm like, no, that's not. You should be able to ask whenever you need to ask. You, you're going to forget. You're human. Mm. Or you're going to screw up and you might need another way to do something. Mm. We're all different. Like we are just different human beings and we all operate differently. What works for me is not going to work for you.
0: Mm.
1: And that's okay. Then let's figure it out. Let's figure out what will work for you, you know? Mm. So I think I you can and
0: go into counselling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, 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 I
0: never go to school
1: for that. I was not. Yeah. Remember, I wasn't good at school. Not good at school.
0: What? <laughs> oh, sobriety coach. Um, I don't know about the laws in America, but I know in West London, like you have to have gone through their drug program in order to become a drug counselor. You have oh, had to okay. be an addict because you only an addict will understand. What another, that. Is, another thing I will say is that people go to get advice from people who have no idea how to explain um, to you. Like, I'll give you an example. I remember listening to this guy who was getting sober and he said that he went to meet the Dalai Lama because he thought that the Dalai Lama is the most peace- peaceful man on the earth. So he will be able to guide him and give him
1: enough value The for movie, him. that movie moment, yes.
0: <laughs> and so he went to Tibet, he climbed that mountain, and he met him, and the Dalai Lama said to him, I've never been an alcoholic, so I don't know what you're going through. Yep. I can't help you. So I think if you're trying to get sober, you have to speak to former addicts. It's the only way you can't go to somebody who doesn't know what you're going through because a lot of people think, Oh, you can just stop. Like, you know, when you're drinking and your parents think, Oh, well, stop. Like it's that easy. Like you can just say, Okay, I'm never gonna drink again. It's not like that. You know what I mean? And the only person that will understand that is somebody who's been through it.
1: You know, so maybe you're reaching out to the wrong people, you know. And that's what it is. And I truly believe that and you're, you're dead. On, you have to, because we're the only ones that understand addiction. We went through addiction or actively still try, you know, like I believe once you're an addict, you're always an addict mm-hmm. and not in a negative way, just in a way that you just have that part of life. Then you have that, that notion. And I believe like for me, at least I won't say this for everybody. Cause I don't want to make a blanket statement. It's not fair, but like I traded my addiction for alcohol working out and career and my kids. Mm-hmm. I am thoroughly addicted to those three things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so like I traded a bad addiction for maybe something a little more socially acceptable. I'm still addicted to it. I work 70, 80 hours a week. I'm up at the, I'm at the gym at all hours. Today I was there at 2.30 because I couldn't sleep. Like, so I took one addiction and kind of made it to a more socially acceptable and maybe a little bit healthier of a one. Um, but I definitely did. And I think that's just an addict's life. You're just mm-hmm. constantly going to treat. It just depends on what addiction you're going for. Mm-hmm. You know, I chose a healthier one because all the other ones didn't work out well for me. So I went to this route. And that's what worked for me. But like you said, you have to have that brain. And, and there's a lot of studies that go into the brains of addicts and the brains of people that aren't. Mm-hmm. And we are very different-minded people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's, it's, very interesting when you start to really look into it. it. It is pretty interesting, like the chemical imbalance in the brain. And it's, it's pretty cool. But
0: there's people that still go to AA meetings and they're 15 years sober and they still yep. go every week because they feel like that one week they're going to slip
1: and they're 15 years sober. You and know? to me, that's what their addiction is now. Their addiction <laughs> is AA meetings and that's okay. It's not a bad addiction that's a great thing to do. You're staying sober. You're not doing that, a terrible thing that was screwing up your life. But now you traded your drinking addiction for these meetings. And if you you cannot go without these meetings or you're going to drink, it's the same thing. It's healthy though. It's okay. That's a good thing to be addicted to. It's just, that's your addiction now. And that's okay. That's how it works. That's how it works. Yes, well, so, I want to say, Laura, you
0: are amazing. You are oh, t- so <laughs> inspiring. I can't wait for your own podcast. Or- oh, God. What is your TikTok? Where can we find you? Plug, plug it, plug it, plug it.
1: Okay, good. All right, I'm not gonna feel that bad now. I'm gonna say no. it. <laughs> this is the time I could do the shameless yeah. plug. So um, I have two TikToks. I'm going to just, I have homebound or bust. Um, that's my homebound or bust. That's like the, that's like the serious-ish. I'm not very serious on it, I'm but.
0: I'm going to put it on screen, one second. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put it on the screen for you. So, um, so home. Do you want me to type it in this? Yeah, homebound, B-O-U-N-D. B-O-U-N-D, okay. bound. Here, or, all right,
1: Awesome. Well, one the homebounder bust one is my personal account that's a little more fun and that's a little more uh lgbtq cuz okay. i finally am able to talk about it so i have felt the need to really just talk about it all the time <laughs> um, so and i go live from that one because i can i don't have enough on the other one but i go live at least twice a day on the homebounder bust one um and then uh
0: put on which is your main account
1: the homebound or bust. One is my main account. That's like the personal homebound or bust is just regular. One is just uh just the one about buying a house and getting through okay. like budgets and credits and things like that. Okay. I know it's kind of confusing. I should have changed it, but I really no really no, no. is it with the one or not? Uh, the one is my personal. Okay, so
0: it is. So we can use that one. Yeah, yeah,
1: either one, and you can go to you, I always send people over to the one, so it's good. <laughs>
0: Oh so. so everyone who's watching this everyone who will listen to this when it goes on itunes and every single podcast platform make sure you follow mm-hmm. laura she's amazing and uh, she's she's just amazing and honest and 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 it's it's, it's a breath of fresh air i want to yeah. see th- thank you so much for coming thank on here. You. you're amazing this is really And i delightful. wish you all the best thank and i you. can't wait for you to, to, you know, buy your house. I know you've set a big goal this year that you want to buy yes. a house. One year. A... A... No,
1: Definitely. thank you. I appreciate you having me. This was fun. Yeah, I was, I'm was less nervous than I was starting. So that's good.
0: <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's just, it's a chill conversation, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. All
0: right. So I wish, I wish you uh, the best day and go kill the real estate market and use Clubhouse. I know I told you, but you yes, really- I'm going to be on it. Real estate rooms there are some people great contacts that you can make on there trust me you need to get on it
1: I'm going to for sure Thank I you. did I downloaded it and I've been kind of fussing with it so
0: they need to they need to hire me yeah because <laughs> they need to use it because it's so life-changing I've made some amazing contacts because of this app mm-hmm. and for the real estate I'm not in that industry but it has got its own little demographic and niche people in your city, you can meet, meet some really like great contacts.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm on it. I've been fussing with it. So I'll get, at, I'll get better with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Laura. We are yeah. all going to follow you on TikTok. Everyone follow her on TikTok and I wish you the best this year. You're going to kill it. You're going to buy your house. And uh, yeah, you know, and you're going to remain sober 100%. Yes,
1: yes, yes. I'm working on it every day. <laughs>
0: yeah, every day. I think also a lot, uh, what we forgot to mention is it's every, don't think, oh, five years, 10 years, I'm going to be sober. You have to think uh, every day, one day no, at a time. Day, day. Yeah. Thing, but it, it, was, it is really true. One day at a time.
1: Oh, totally relevant. No, it absolutely is. Even if it's, it's a minute at a time, some days.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Thank you so much, Laura. You're amazing. And I wish you the best.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. For sure. Take care.
0: Well, that was the amazing Laura. Guys, make sure you follow her on TikTok, homebound or bust one. She is sharing so much value, so much um golden nuggets on her TikTok, motivating people on, first of all, how to get credit and buy a house, right? So if you want to buy a house, go and follow her on TikTok. Also talks about coming out. So if you're struggling with your identity and sexuality, that's another thing that you could, you know, reach out to her. She's so nice. Reach out to her. Or if you're recovering from any addiction, she's always there to uh, guide you and give you the best advice because she has been through it. So make sure you follow her on TikTok, homebound no best. Hey, yo, check it out, it's the kid. And thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Vocal Minds with Sophia. Sophia. Yeah. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, and now on iTunes, Right. Follow her on both Instagram and Twitter under Vocal Mind Sophia. And don't forget to tell a friend about the podcast. Matter of fact, tell all your friends about the podcast. What are you waiting for? Honestly.